0: First Samuel chapter 9, we're going to talk about those seasons that just feel unnecessary. I don't know if any of you have ever gone through those seasons where you're just like, what, what, how is this season necessary? I don't see how it's necessary. And the head games that go along with it, I don't know if head games is a part of your normal everyday terminology, but for my wife and I, we call head games thoughts that are discouraging or distracting. These are head games. And so, uh, chasing, chasing donkeys, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to start reading, let's see here, in verse number 3. One day, Kish's donkeys, now Kish is a very, very wealthy, wealthy guy, very wealthy. One day, Kish's donkeys strayed away. He told Saul, his son, take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys, so Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim and the land of Shalsazar. How would you say that, Pastor? Oh, <laughs> I caught you. You wouldn't even you had no idea what I was just wanting to pay. All right. And uh <laughs> <laughs> In the Shalim area and the entire land of Benjamin, but they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. This sounds like a really fun day, just walking around looking for donkeys. Finally, they entered the region of Zuf, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now, Father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There's a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. This is an interesting comment. But we don't have anything to offer him. Saul replied even our food is gone and we don't have anything to give him if you have a different version of Bible than the living uh, new living translation it may say this but we don't have an offering to give everybody say an offering an offering to give Um, let me see where am I Uh, Let me just start reading. Oh, in verse 7, we don't have an offering. Even our food is gone. We don't have anything to give him. Verse 8 Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what. Happens and see what happens. Six perplexing questions about this passage, chasing donkeys, uh, that I think would be a head game for any one of us that was in that position. Maybe you've never chased a donkey before. I know I haven't. I don't even know if I've actually ever touched a donkey. Uh, I was raised by a Bostonian. Uh, it's just not our thing. Actually, I have touched a donkey before. My, my, my neighbor had a donkey, and I used to pet its nose. Uh, but anyway, any city slickers like me, it's just farm animals. It's just not your thing. All right. I'm talking to a bunch of blue-blood Texans. Excellent. <laughs> alright so anyway maybe you've never chased a donkey before but you have had seasons where it just felt like I don't know why I'm doing this I don't know why this is happening I don't see the purpose in this this is with Saul's life he's out chasing donkeys and so the first question that I would ask if I were Saul was who left the stupid gate open now I didn't put stupid on the notes but that's what I was thinking if my father was a really wealthy man if my father was was kish and he had a bunch of servants and he comes to me and says hey the donkeys got out I'm going to need you to go get them my first thought is who left the gate open Because here's the thing, anytime I have to go into a season that I don't want to go in, I want to know whose fault it is because I'm about to get ticked off. Because typically, typically, not always, typically, the seasons that we end up in that we don't want to get, that we don't want to be in, somebody dragged us into it. See, now I'm coming right where we live. I'm gonna bowl this sermon right up to your front door. All right. <laughs> I did not volunteer for this. I didn't ask for this. I am being inflicted with this season. Who brought this into me? Who? Uh, what is the deal? And, and I thought about this. The people that God uses to people, God uses people to reveal our weaknesses uses people. I'm coaching an a eight-year-old basketball team right now. And I've never been driven crazy more in my life. <laughs> These eight-year-olds test my ever-living nerve. And, and the other day we played a game. We had a basketball game. We had three games in one day. We lost 35 to 8 then 43 to 1 you're thinking man it can't get any worse than that, oh yeah 39 to 0 you can get worse when you've just scored one and I am on the sidelines I hope none of you are related to any of the players that I coach (laughs) because I humiliated myself I'm on the sidelines going crazy I'm going nuts like it's the NBA championship. And you know what was revealed inside of me that was so embarrassing and gross? I can't even believe I'm going to admit it in front of you guys. But I'm going to do it and I'll regret it on the way home. Stop somewhere and get ice cream and get over it. (laughs) That's how I bury my mistakes with ice cream. It dawned on me that I had the feeling that their loss was a reflection of me and that they were representing me and I didn't want to be associated with the loss and I felt like people were looking at me and I was the one that was the loser, And so that's why I was upset. It really had nothing to do with the scoreboard. It had nothing to do with the fact that they were losing. It was the internal thought that maybe somebody would attach me to the loss. You ever see people, when somebody wins a championship of any sort, they say, that's my team? You don't ever hear someone saying, the Cleveland Browns are my team. Everybody wants to be associated with a winner. You know, it's like the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> I'm just picking on a family back there, but you know, they haven't won a game in 50 years. I'm just kidding. But if all of a sudden they win the national championship, not just everybody, every single Cornhusker in the country is going to start pulling out their gear. Because people want to be associated with winners. And I'm on the sideline and I realize I'm getting this mad. I'm getting this frustrated because I feel like I am associated with losing. And it's my fault that they're losing. And people are looking at me like I am the loser and I'm causing them to lose. I'm internalizing what's happening. And I thought to myself, I wonder if these little eight-year-olds are tools in my life during this season to dig out some pride that I've been hiding because God uses people and he uses seasons to reveal areas of our life that have been hidden and it's like oh my goodness God just sent this donkey you can use the King James version on yourself but God just sent a donkey into my life to reveal some things that need to be changed um, I, I backed but i 've got this friend of mine who pastors in Rockford, Illinois. His name is Jeremy dewart, and i 'm going to give him a lot of honor and respect. He had his third baby a th- few years ago, and his first two kids came out bright and healthy, but his third came out with severe Down syndrome and He stood up in front of the church and he said, "You know, I thought for a long time that God gave us this baby." Because God, because the baby needed us and God picked us to raise this baby. But, and that might be true, but what I've realized is that I need this baby. And God gave the baby to me because I need a baby with his condition. And... I already loved Jeremy, but he just went to a whole nother stratosphere of respect when you begin to realize that, hey, is that person in your life so that you can help them? Possibly. But let's not overlook the fact that that person may be in our life to help us. Are you with me? The second question that I would ask if I were Saul was, why do I have to go get the donkeys? right? We got servants, (laughs) right? What about him? What about her? Why do I got to go get it? Have you ever been standing up and and somebody from the living room says, hey, can you bring me a glass of water? And you're like, why don't you get up and get your own glass of water? (laughs) Oh yeah, let's get real tonight. (laughs) Wednesday night is real night. Why don't you go get your own glass of water? God, God, (laughs) <laughs> i might be eating a lot of ice cream tonight god's assignments god's assignments have god in them see here's the thing that that i've learned to wrestle with and and when i say wrestle uh it's not something that i've just i just easily embraced is when God sends me seasons and I find myself in seasons that I didn't anticipate me being in, I I have to remember this. That the number one thing that I want in the world is found in Psalms chapter 24 verse 7 where he says this, this one thing I seek, this one thing, Thing that I desire and, and I don't know if they have it on the screen but let me say this to dwell in the house of the Lord all my life to dwell on the glory of His face and to spend all my days in His temple. That is the one thing that I want. And and I don't know about you, if I could like all of a sudden take my hands and supernaturally like just pull back your chest cavity and see what do you want more than anything in this whole world? Is it to win the lottery? Is it something like that? Or deep, deep down inside is uh, do you also say this one thing that I want is to dwell in your presence Oftentimes, God will call you or send you into a situation where that is all you can do there's no other options that's all you can do Seasons are often invitations. Just think about that a little bit. The third thought I would have is the same thought that Saul had. Saul said to his servant, why don't we just go home? There are always reasons to quit doing something well. There's all you can Always come up with a reason to quit doing something that's good and you can come up with legitimate reasons like he came up with a legitimate reason hey let's quit looking for donkeys because I have a feeling my father is probably worried about us you can always come up with a good reason to quit something that is good there's always a re- you can always come up with a reason to walk out of a gym while you're working out. Do you know how many times I have walked into 24-hour fitness, given them my membership card, taken it, walked in, lifted up weights, and went, I don't feel like doing this today, and walked right out. <laughs> and the person behind the counter goes, one of those days, huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> Not doing it. I've laced up my tennis shoe. I think I did this last week as a matter of fact lace up my tennis shoes got my watch set, got my hat on wake up early in the morning go for a run get, sh- 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 turn off the truck go get it out and go not going to happen, get back in the. turn it back on get dressed, change, go to work not going to happen not today there's always a reason to quit the Bible actually says this don't get weary in well doing Even though you're doing a good thing, it is possible and very likely that you can get tired of doing the wrong, the right thing. Has anyone here ever got tired of going to church? Have you ever got tired of being nice? Oh, we woke up on that one, didn't we? I don't feel like being nice today. Today's not nice day. I'm nice on odd days and this is an even day. Should have called me yesterday. Today is not nice day. I'm not in the mood. I'm tired. I'm not giving my tithes anymore. I know it's a good thing, but I'm done. Hello? Y'all out there? I'm not doing it. I don't feel like worshiping anymore. I don't feel like being nice anymore. You can always come up with a reason to stop doing something good. These are all head games. These are seasons where you're chasing donkeys. You have no idea why I say I'm going to help you guys so much right now. I'm excited about this point. I say I'm so excited about it. I just read it in a book yesterday. And I'm like, I'm not saving this for Sunday. It's burning a hole in my pocket. I got to share it. (laughs) I read about I was reading this book called, what was it? Uh, uh, I don't know the name of the book. It was written by Charles Duhigg, and it's his latest book. It's something like Faster, Stronger, Better, or something like that. But anyway, he starts talking about how there's this one particular Marine, this drill sergeant, that in boot camp, what he does often is he yells at a soldier during the toughest part of the boot camp whatever part that is and it's different for everybody and he'll yell at them and say why are you doing this and if they say because you're telling me to sir he goes you can quit anytime you want why are you doing this and he trains the soldiers that when they hit a tough moment in boot camp to ask each other the question. The question, why? Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And inevitably, what these soldiers have to say back is they say things, for my family, sir. And what it realizes, what they begin to realize is that, that this moment is not is bigger than just the here and now. Yeah, right. This moment is a part of the overall puzzle of their life. And they, when they begin to realize that their decision on whether or not to quit... Is part of a grand scheme, it gives them the motivation to continue on. Thank you, ma'am. Wasn't that good? Thank you. Wasn't that good? It, to ask yourself, why are you doing this? Why don't you just quit? Why don't you leave him? Why don't you leave her? Why don't you quit the job? Why not walk out of the gym? Why aren't you eating the brownie? Do you see where I'm going with this? Why not go eat those Oreos? Why not? Every single struggle at every time that we are wanting to do something well and quit doing something well, ask yourself, why are you doing it? Man, that rocked my world. I hope it helped you. The fourth question, I've got six. The fourth question is, why not give God an opportunity? Where, where Saul, where his, uh, the, the servant said, hey, I know we want to go home, but before we go home, I have an idea. How about we go see the preacher? Now, the preacher is not of any value if he does not have a word from God. So let's take the preacher out of the equation because what he's really saying is let's go search for a word from God. That's what he's saying. Let's go search for a word from God. Now, when you're in that season and when I'm in that season, we also should ask ourselves, Can I give God everything I've got for this? I'm going to share something with you that's interesting. Elijah prayed for rain continually. Lord, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, he sent an, a, a servant out. Hey, go out there and see if you see any clouds. The servant comes back and says I don't see any clouds. He says, dear God, please send rain, send rain, send rain. He sends the servant out again. He goes, go tell me if you see clouds. The servant comes back and says, I don't see any clouds. So he keeps praying. Dear God, please send rain. God, please send rain. God, please send rain. Sends the servant out again. He comes back and he says, I see cl- a, a, a cloud. It's not real. It's like about that big though. And Elijah said, start running. And so he starts running and something miraculous happens to him while he starts running. He's running because he's thinking, man, that one cloud is going to bring a torrential downpour. So he starts running and while he's running, the, 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 a torrential downpour is about to take place. He starts running, something miraculous happens and he starts running so fast that he outruns a guy who's riding a horse, It's a miracle. That is a miraculous moment. He's like... Let me ask you a question. When is he closer to the Lord? While he's running? Or while he's praying for rain? When is he closer to the Lord? While he's praying for rain. When the moment was at its toughest... Is when he was closest, when he came out, and it was victorious. Yes, far more. Sel- far, it's uh, the, the victory is fun, and it's glorious, and it's exciting. And but from God's perspective, more is happening during the tough season than in the victorious season. So. Let's give God an opportunity. How should we interact with God? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 to come and approach the throne boldly. In other words, don't even hesitate. Come talk to me, please. And let me just say this for anyone here who doesn't pray a lot. Sometimes praying can be intimidating because if you don't pray a lot, you don't know what to say. The good news is is that you can say the same thing over and over again because your words are nothing but an echo of your heart. So he's hearing way more than just your words. The other thing that we have to remember, not only come boldly, but also remember this. Clearly, offerings are important to God. Clearly, offerings are important to God. Is it important to give him a financial offering if it's important to God? It needs to be important to us. Amen. The last question that we would ask is what is God up to? When you're chasing donkeys and you're going through a tough season, it's hard to say to not know what's happening. And I wish, I feel my pastor's heart starting to hurt for some people in here. I wish I could say, you're going through this because... But obviously I can't do that because I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. While you're going through a tough season, what's being watched is your PSI your pressure per square inch see on the tire of your cars you can get down close and see what your PSI of your tire is how much air can you put in that tire how much air is required to hold that car or that vehicle up? There's only a certain type, uh, uh, there, there has to be a certain size of a tire to be able to carry the size of car that you drive. How much can that tire carry? The question for you is, how much Are you capable of carrying? Because every blessing comes with a burden. And some people say, I can't carry any more than this. And that is okay because there's grace, the grace of God will come and help you. But just know this the greater the blessing, the greater the burden. And a lot of people want great blessings, but they can't handle great burdens. You know, if you ever talk to a young girl who says, Oh, I can't wait to get married and have a baby. Well, let's slow down and talk about that for a minute. All right? Because when you get married, that is a blessing. But let's talk about the burden. Are you ready to do double laundry? Oh, you want that baby? All right. Are you ready to change seven diapers a day? Are you ready to get an hour and then wake up and then another hour of sleep and then wake up and then another hour of sleep? you ever heard a little girl say, I want to have twins? Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. (laughs) Some people say, "Oh, I want to own my own business. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. If you you work for someone else and you work 40 hours, you get paid for 40 hours. You work for yourself, you work 80 hours and get paid for 10. (laughs) So let's talk about that for a minute. How big of a blessing can you handle? Not how big of a blessing do you want. How big of a blessing can you handle? What's your PSI? I would say if we concentrate on our connection with God we can handle some of the things that he wants to give us to whom much is given much is required